If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to the book of Philippians. We're going to be in chapter 2. We're going to be looking at verses 12 through 13 tonight. Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 through 13. Of course, we understand that uh, Paul is writing to the church at Philippi. He's writing a letter that's encouraging to them. We've already looked at, uh, and back in chapter 1, where it, uh, we looked at a sermon entitled, uh, Remember When You Need to Remember. So with that in mind, we now come to the second chapter, verse number 12. And this is what the Bible says. It says, wherefore. Whenever you see that word, well for, you need to ask, why is it there for? And we're going to get to that in just a moment. He says, well, for my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. And look at verse number 13. For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. And so by God's grace for just a few moments we're going to look at working out. Now that uh, word working out has a lot of meanings to it. We use it kind of uh, in various ways. When uh, you're in a, a fuss with someone, you, you, you'll say something like, oh, we, we'll, we'll be able to work it out. Uh, we also see that term is used in, uh, that uh, when people are going through uh, some difficulties and uh, they're having financial problems and they'll say, well, uh, let, let's look at the numbers again. It, it'll work out. But we also use that term uh, when we go to the gym. Well, let's... When some of us go to the gym and you'll say, where are you going? I'm going to go work out. Now, you understand that this body that I have, it all came natural, okay? So I don't have to work out. It's just natural. I mean, I guess I'm just cursed with a, a buff body. <laughs> Brother Jim Bill told me that uh, I was talking about my slim fit. And uh, he added to that story a little bit and he said that he really didn't want to see me in skinny jeans. And so, and I don't want to see myself in skinny jeans either. But <laughs> that was not the place for that. <laughs> so we understand that. Now, here's, <clears throat> all kidding aside, this is where uh, Paul is talking to the church at Philippi and he's, he, he's saying there's some things that you need to know. But here again, we're, we're looking to mature in our faith. We're, we're looking to um, uh, have a stronger faith because we've talked about this, but he says there's going to be those times when circumstances are not what you'd like. There's going to be problems that will arise. There's going to be those times when you're going down and you think everything
everything is lovely and then all of a sudden a curveball gets thrown your way. He says you're going to have to learn some things because if you don't, circumstances will control you. But we can learn by the strength of the Lord Jesus Christ and some things that he's trying to teach us in his word here tonight. That we don't have to have circumstances control us, but we can have control over our circumstances. And so he says a number of things. First of all, before we get into the text, we see that he has laid out a divine pattern. He, in other words, a blueprint or some instructions here. But not only has he laid out a divine pattern, but he's also said that you can look at this pattern, you know what you need to be doing in your life, you know how these things that you need to be incorporating in your life and that you need to be working on. He says, but not, not only does the Lord give you a pattern, but he gives you the power to be able to follow that pattern. So we see divine pattern, we see a divine power. But then we also understand that uh, Paul is talking and he's uh, not only uh, saying a number of things, but first of all, he sees and he talks about service. But then not only does he talk about service, but then he talks about salvation. And then he talks about strength. And so here we need to understand that if we're going to work out our salvation, that we cannot do it by initiation, but we must do it by incarnation. Christ in us. Galatians 2.20 says it this way, and uh, I'm paraphrasing here, but he talks about, in Galatians 2.20, he talks about uh, that we have been crucified. No longer is it I, but it's Christ living in me. So we need to understand tonight that he lays out this pattern, but he doesn't just say, okay, y'all can just do the best you can. I've told you what to do, so you just muster it up. You can do what you need to do. You just do the best you can. No, 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 my dear friend. We need to understand not only has he laid out a purpose and plan for our life, not only has he told us these are the things that we need to incorporate in our life and that we need to solidify in our faith because we're going to be going through some stuff We're going to be dealing with life and we're not going to be able to handle it unless we understand the ingredients that we need to plus into our life. But he says, I've also given you the power to be able to follow through with what I've told you you need to do. And so he talks about service. Now look what he says. He says that he's reminded of their service. He, he's reminded of their obedience. Now notice what he says. He, he says that uh, you're doing it uh, if I'm uh, there. Paul had a desire to come and visit them. Uh, he's not able to come at this point in time. But uh, he says, but you, I need you to know that you can walk worthy in the gospel. And he says even if I'm there or I'm not there. But then he goes on and says something else. Now, here's we need to pause here. This is what we need to understand. We need to understand it's one thing to, 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 to do that. And we can go through the mechanics. We know how to do the mechanics of church, okay? That's not the issue. We know how to do Sunday school. We know how to build a sermon. We, we know all the mechanics. Here's the problem that we're having in the church today is that we're relying on what we can do and we're relying 
relying on going through the motions. And here we need to understand we will never make an impact for the Lord Jesus Christ to a lost and dying world unless the Holy Spirit is working in us and enabling us to do what He's called us to do. The modern church is missing the power of God. We've relied on our education. There are some churches, I kid you not, there are some churches that will not even look at a pastor unless he has a degree. Nothing wrong with having degrees. I believe in education. But what happens when they're already saying, we don't care about it, the Spirit of God is on them. We don't care if he has the power of God upon him. We want somebody that has a PhD after name because this thing is about prestige and we want to impress some people to come to our church and we have churches that are drying up and dying on the vine. Why? Because we're more concerned with our credentials than we are the Holy Spirit working on us and falling upon us and having a man of God who will preach with the power and the unction of the Holy Spirit. And so here, he says, you do this even if I'm there or not. Now, I want you to also look at, and I have it in our, um, I think on my, uh, on the board here, whatever we call this thing. He, he, he goes and he talks about, but, but notice he calls him his beloved. Now watch this. I, I, I promise you, I'm, I'm going to get to it. He, first of all, he says and talks about obedience. But now he calls him his beloved. See, Paul loved these people. He loved these people so much that he's writing them a letter to encourage them. Now, here's what we have to have. If we're going to be what we all need to be in the Lord Jesus Christ, if we're going to be the church that he's called us to be, we have to have love. We must love one another. But you cannot love one another unless you have the love of God working in you and through you. And we understand, we talked about this before, it's called agape love. It's a God kind of love. It's a love that says, even though you're not lovable, I'm still going to love on you. It doesn't matter if everybody has burnt, you burn bridges with. doesn't matter if you're living under a bridge. It doesn't matter if you're a prostitute. It doesn't matter if you're an alcoholic. It doesn't matter if you're an addict. You need to know we love you in the Lord Jesus Christ and Lord Jesus Christ died upon your uh, his cross and he covered your sins doesn't matter if you got your act together or not so here what we're talking is that we must have love not only for the brethren but we must have love for the lost and dying world that's on its way to hell then then he talks about obedience and he says, you have obeyed. Now, I want you to go and remember the word well for, uh, wherefore. If you go back to verse number 5, chapter 2, it says this. It says that this mind be in you that's in Christ Jesus. Okay? So we're to have the mind of Christ, Right? Now, remember back some time ago, uh, it was kind of a, a fad, I guess it was, but they came out with the wristbands, WWJD. Y'all remember that? What would Jesus do? Well, I want you to know that question is still very relevant today. It, it, it's not a fad for us. It should be our life's goal. 
Everything we do, we ought to ask this question. What would Jesus do? And so we got to have the mind of Christ. Well, what is the mind of Christ? Glad you asked. He tells us what his mind is. He says in 13 of the parables, 13 of the parables, he talks about being a servant or servanthood. But we also see if you go back and look at verses 5 through 8, it talks about that he gave us the, the example. He says, this is how you look like a servant. It says that he left the glories of heaven. He humbled himself, put on flesh, and he walked among us. And the purpose for him coming was to die on an old rugged tree and to shed his blood so that we may have remission of our sin and have eternal life. See, he put others in front of him. And so that's what we need to understand. To have the mind of Christ, that means we're to be servants, right? Matter of fact, it goes on. Jesus said, he says, I'm not come to be served, but I've come to serve. See, here's the problem with many of us. We've come to get what we can get out of this. That's not the mind of Christ. The mind of Christ is, I'm wanting to serve others. He said here, they, they obeyed. And then we also see, uh, not only do we obey, but it talks about, uh, here, here's the problem, is that you can do good things out of the sense of duty. Now here's where I have problems with Calvinistic thought and theology. They say... God's already picked and choose. He's already, he's already determined that this group over here, they're going to heaven. By the way, there's nothing you can get, do to get out of it. It's called irresistible grace. You have to get saved because you've been destined to be saved. Then here's this bunch over here. Oh, by the way, I'm not picking and choosing here. <laughs> they're lost. Nothing they can do about it. That's not Bible. Because the will or the mind of Christ says it's His will for all men to be saved. Amen? And so here, but and I've talked to them and I said, well, if you believe that, why do you go and still go witnessing? And they'll tell you out of a sense of duty. Well, my dear friend, if you're doing it out of a sense of duty, you will not be a burden for someone. How, how can you do Yeah, you can go and be the sense of duty. And, and that's what's happened in many of our churches. We're doing things out of the sense of duty. I'm doing nursery because Rachel's hounding me. And just to get her off my back, I'll show up. But I'm telling you what, I don't like those little snotty-nosed kids. By the way, if you get the snotty-nosed kids as opposed to the other, you're doing good. But, you know, and, and, but I'll do it. Well, if you're doing it for that reason, you probably don't need to be doing it. Here, if you're teaching, oh, why are you teaching that class? Nobody else would take it. You don't need to be teaching. 
Because you won't have a burden for that class. You won't have a burden for those babies. You won't have a love for them. You're just doing it out of a sense of good. And here's what happens. If you're going and witnessing just because it's a sense of duty, here's what's going to happen. You're going to go and you're going to present the gospel of Jesus Christ. They're going to reject it and you'll say, okay, my job's done with them. But if you have a burden for somebody, you're going to be at the altar. You're going to be broken over their sin. And you're going to go time after time after time. Why? Because you have love for them. You have a compassion for them. And why is that? Because somebody came to you out of love and introduced you to a living Lord Savior. And your life's never been the same. That's the reason why. And so here he's saying, he he says, duty, he says, you, you have obeyed even if I'm there or if I'm not there. But then we also see uh, in Philippians 1.27. Now, I just want to uh, bear with me. He says, your conduct should be worthy, should be worthy of the gospel even if I'm there or not. So here's what. You ought to be doing what you're doing for the Lord Jesus Christ not because somebody's watching you, not because the preacher's going to say, man, I can count on them. And, 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 but here, you're not doing it from the heart. You're doing it in, in vain. Now, will God honor it? Yes, God. He's used a donkey. He can use us. I understand that. But what I'm telling is what we're missing in our church today is that, and by, by the way, lost people can see through that. That's the reason why there's nobody saying, uh, you know, I, oh, I, they don't believe what they're saying. They can sense when it's coming from here. Just like you can. When somebody gets up to sing, they might have, they might have everything right. They, they're hitting the right key. Uh, I mean, they're coming in their part. I mean, they're doing everything uh, perfect. Their pitch is right. But you can just tell they're just coming up here to kind of perform. I don't know about you, but I like it when they're coming from here. Now, I've talked to Travis, and I told Travis, I said, Brother, it'd be from the heart. If you just let me sing, it'd be from the heart. So far, he told me he'd get back with me. But do you see what we're talking about here? So he, he talks about service, but not only a service, but he goes on, and I don't want you to look at Ephesians 6 6. Ephesians 6 6 says this. He says, Not, not as I service, talk, talking about serving, talking about loving, not as I service where you're a man pleaser, but as a bond servant that you are doing the will of God from your heart. See, we can please man all day long. That's, that's not what we're, that, that's not what this is. We're to please Him. And you're only pleasing Him because He's the only one that can see your heart. And so it, Paul goes on and he talks about uh, a servant. But then there's a second thing. And uh, we see that he talks about salvation. Listen to what he says. He says to work out your salvation. Notice the, the wording here. It didn't say that you were to work for. Notice it didn't say you're working towards. Notice it didn't say you're working at. It said you're working it out. Now, there's been some misinterpretation on this text right here. There are some who believe 
that to get saved, you've got to work it out. Now, if it takes you three days on this altar, it takes you three days. Matter of fact, they'll say things if, if you come alongside and you're praying for someone or can I help you or you take them to the Scriptures and say, hey, I can show you how to be saved out of God's Word. They'll call you manipulating them. That's not what the text says. The text says to work out your salvation. Here, notice this. The letter was written to believers. They're already saved. So if if those who say that you have to work out your salvation and that you don't need to come alongside them, I find it interesting as well that uh, the uh, Ethiopian eunuch, what must I do to be saved? Oh, you just got to work it out, man. It's not saying that. Nicodemus, when he came to Jesus, he didn't understand about this being born again. Did Jesus say, well, Nick, I'll tell you, buddy. Uh, I got a lot more to say about this, but, uh, you know, just work it out. Just work it out. That's not what he's... He's saying that we are to work out our salvation because it's been worked in. And here's the problem is, sometimes we'll say, oh, I wouldn't believe that. I know you can't work out. I know how to get saved and all that. But sometimes in the way we act, that's exactly how we feel. We think if we can just work it up, just muster it up. I've talked to three people this week that had problems with their salvation. They had doubts with their salvation. Started talking to them and started uh, uh, getting back. And and they, they gave me a testimony I had a dear sweet lady and one of the assistant livings and there in the Donaldson area. And I called her by her name and I said, can you give me a time? Can you tell me how you got saved? And she went through and she said, told me, I mean, right down the line. I said, did, did you did all this? And she said, I did. She said, I said, well, you do know what the Bible says there in Romans 10, 13. Oh, yes, I do. It says, whosoever call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I said, did you do that? She said, I did that. I said, are you secure in that? She says, I am. But for some reason, and it's Satan working on her, she thought she needed to go ahead and get baptized again. I said, why would you need to get baptized again? Because you've already been saved, and when you get saved, it's a one-time deal. She agreed with that. I said, well, why are you thinking that you need to be uh, saved and re-baptized? She says, because I've done some bad things. I said, well, dear sister, welcome to the club. I said, here's what happened to her. And I explained, I explained it to her. It's like a light bulb went off. She'd been, she was saved in a Baptist church, been under preaching, and yet she's still getting the connection. It has absolutely nothing to do with works. The Bible tells us it's not of works lest any man should boast. We're saved by His grace through His wonderful, by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's not based on our performance, but it's based on what Jesus did for us. And the light bulb went off and she says, I don't need to get baptized again. I said, dear lady, no, you don't need to get baptized. But she was equating that. I talked to another uh, young man. He, and I said, why do you think you need to get saved? He, I said, he said, well, I, I, I've been doing some bad things. So he told me some of the things they was doing. I said, yeah, that's pretty bad. I said, uh, can you remember a time in your life 
to when you called upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. You believed in your heart, confessed with your mouth. He says, yes, sir. I said, well, why do you think you need to go through this again? He says, I just, I just can't work hard enough. I said, that's your problem. None of us can work hard enough. It's grace. Grace. And so here, what has happened in many of our churches, and many of our people are confused. They're thinking, I've just got to work a little harder. If I could just work a little harder. No, my dear friend, you don't need to work harder. You just need to rest in the fact on the promises of God where he says, I will work in you. And what I've worked in you, you have to work out. Now, we use that term in mathematics, which I was horrible at. I still am. I didn't know until just recently that two plus two is four. I thought it was five. Now, you say, yeah, you're being silly. Well, sort of, but I was pretty bad in math. But I did learn this. To work out a problem, you didn't have to go and get more numbers to throw in the mix. Everything you needed was right there. You just had to work out the problem. That's what salvation is. It's what, you, what he has worked in us, we're working out. We also see that term in mind, a coal mining, where they would go and they would work out the coal. The coal's already there. I made reference to working out. See, when you go to work out and you want to build your muscles, you don't have to go, well, i got to get me a, a couple more biceps. i got some ligaments I need to add to that. No. You're working out what you already have. See, that's what our salvation is. Our salvation is that we're working it out. But the problem is, has he worked something in? But then he goes on and says, not only does he have a word about salvation, he has a word about service, but I want you to notice he has a word about strength. Notice there in verse number 13. In verse number 13, he uh, talks about uh, working out and he talks about uh, putting in and, and, and all that. And then we come to verse number 13. In verse number 13, it says uh, how, before we get to 13, it, it talks about how we are to work it out with fear and trembling. Now, Paul says, 1 Corinthians 2, 3, he says that I was there with you in your weakness in your fear in much, with much trembling. Now, here's the word fear. The word fear means in awe. Okay? He says, how are you working out your salvation? Because you're scared if you don't do something for Christ, he's going to strike you dead. That's the way some people think. Boy, I, I, I got I to gotta, I gotta get kind of busy because Lord, he's, he's just going to go ahead and kill me right there. No, that's not the kind of fear we're talking about. He's talking about respect, awe. We're in awe of what Christ has done in us. We're in awe that a holy, righteous God would come and have a personal relationship with me. That ought to put us in awe. I, I serve a healing God, a, a God that nothing's impossible. We ought to be in awe about it. We've lost that. 
We've lost that in our churches because we come in, we come in flippantly, we come in and we plop down in our pew, we throw our hands and say, okay, what you got for us today, preacher? See if you can light my fire. That's how we're coming in. We're coming in, we got everything else on our mind. We're thinking about the, uh, what we're going to do for lunch. We're thinking about how we had that big fight with the wife and the kids. And the kids have come in, they're half clothed. And, and you know, we're clothing them as we're walking in. we got our minds on everything else. I'm telling you, we've lost sight that we've come into the presence of an awesome God. A holy God. A God who has reached down and has given us a personal invitation to invite us into Him and Him into us so that we can have abundant life and we can have eternal life. We ought to be in awe that we serve an awesome God. And I'm telling you, when you have that mindset, you want to work out. You want to do something for Him because He's done everything for you. But then we also see that word trembling. That's an action word. So here's the picture that we have. Oh, i got to do something because... God's going to be angry with me, you know, and I just don't want to be angry. And so I'll do this, which leads us to, I'm just doing it out of a sense of duty. We should be doing it with compassion. But the word means passion to please. Passion to please. Because the scripture tells us there in verse 13, the reason why we're doing it is to please Him, Right? And so when I'm working out my salvation, I'm doing it because I'm in awe of the God that I serve. But also I have a passion. I have a passion. I want to please Jesus. Not because He gets me extra points. Not because He won't strike me down. But I want to please Him because He's been so good to me. And I can't contain myself. And I want to express myself in saying, God, you've been so good to me. I understand I didn't deserve anything that I have. But because of your grace and your mercy, I want to please you, Jesus. Here's the thing I found out in marriage. Guys... Since I'm an expert on marriage, I found out my wife is beside herself when out of nowhere I bring a gift home. It doesn't have to be much either, right, ladies? It doesn't have to be much. And so, well, and so Donna says, what did you do? I said, well, baby, I did it just because I love you. No, what did you do? You, offered, you did something. I said, no. I'm just doing this because I want to please you because of my love for you. See, that's the way God wants us to serve. We're doing this because we just want to please Him. No strings attached. See, sometimes we'll do something for the Lord and we remind Him, oh, by the way, there's this need that I can really use some help with. When's the last time you just did something, no strings attached, you just said, Jesus, I'm doing this just because I'm simply in love with you. What do you think our services would be like? What do you think our church would become 
If we just start doing, not because somebody's beat us over the head to do it, not because we feel guilty, just because we're just showing our love and appreciation for what the Lord Jesus Christ has done for us. And so here he says that we are to work out our salvation in our service. We are to work out our salvation because we've been saved and we're working it out because he's given us the strength and the power to do so. Amen. Now, and we're going to invitation. I just want you to take just a moment to think about and being honest with yourself. I just want you to think about this. Why am I doing what I'm doing? Why am I doing what I'm doing? I've always done this. I've always kept those babies. I've always taught a class. That's not the right reason. I, well, I, I like to uh, usher. Why, why are you ushering? That's because I just like to, you know, hang out with the guys. What would happen to our church if every one of us simply were doing the things that we're doing because we're just falling in love with the Lord Jesus Christ? And Lord, I know it's not much but I'm doing it with a grateful heart. Lord, I know I ought to be doing more, but Lord, I'm doing this just because I love you. Not because I want something, not because I'm trying to get my brownie points with you. I'm just doing this because I love you. I think it would radically change what we do here.